We are tonight's entertainment. You can't handle the truth. The fire rises. Pizza time. You're a wizard, Harry. So it be. You know how much I sacrifice? You think that's air you're breathing? Groovy. I don't have friends. I got family. We services so trent so parth funny we should meet here today hmm? funny yeah for our 91st ever episode of the pod been doing this for a while now we're just starting to get to know each other though we've gotten past the ninth decade you know almost at 100 you know we can i've been joking that once we hit 100 i can explode yeah but before you do that tell me what you've been eating it's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, Parth's mom. And I just came from Mother's Day, Mother's Day brunch with my mom. And it was a buffet style. And um, my dad always does this thing. We're like, you know, the buffet ticket's a lot of money. And so he tries to get his money's worth. And so I think he had four plates. I think I had two. Um, and I think the last thing that entered my body was a piece of uh, like Oreo cake sort of thing from the dessert table. Um, yeah, What? but yeah, it was pretty good. What about you? Similarly, well, I didn't go out, but similarly, we were having food for Mother's Day, and my dad, um, was making pizzas in his pizza Whoa, oven. Oh, because he has the famous pizza oven. Parth's dad's famous pizza oven. It's a long sentence. Well, I moved back in, uh, yesterday to my hometown, mm. to my old room, as it were. Um, but, where you um, were Where you were born. You were born in that room. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, but yeah, so we had I had what I have goat cheese and spinach pizza that my dad made, whoa, which is yeah. I mean, he made normal pizza as well, but this is a specialty item, as it were. What? So, do you know when like you're trying to like buy a pizza for a group and you're like, okay, like we need to find like an equalizer, and I feel like the people's tendency is to go for, like, cheese or pepperoni, but I feel like margarita should forever be the default pizza. I think that it's should, like, yeah, I agree. Because it's, like, cheese, I, but just, like, all of the elements are substantially better. Yeah. Tastes like an artisan crafted it with his bare hands. I think, I think that margarita pizza should be the default, and then either, depending on your crowd, a meat pizza or... Uh, like a penne vodka type situation, like something like that should be your defaults. Yeah. And you're saying if you're, if you were traveling in a circle that was able to get two pizzas at once that you, that, that that's what you'd do. Yeah. That my default would be margarita. And then, uh, if you were with people that ate meat, you mm-hmm. would get like pepperoni or, you know, something along those lines. And if you were, um, with among people that did not, then you would find some other kind of alternative. Well, um, this has all been a really exciting intro, but... Let's move on. Cue the intro. Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies each week we talk about a film and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture this week who do we have trent this week we had uh, production designer bruce curtis 
also known as Richard Linklater's right-hand man for like a lot of the past two decades. He worked on, you know, A Scanner Darkly, Bernie, Everyone Wants Some, on our film for today, Apollo 10.5, which is now available on Netflix, I believe. Yes, and it was uh, it was a pretty good interview, would you say? I enjoyed it. I liked the the movie, uh, rotoscoping, not our standard live-action sort of deal, so we had some new questions to ask. We Hopefully... talked about Apollo 10.5, we talked about A Scanner Darkly, we ended up talking about uh, the girl from Plainville, Bernie, all sorts of crazy things. So, it was crazy. Um, yeah. Without further yeah. ado, I guess let's just let's get into that interview, you know? Yep. Cue the interview. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our interview with Bruce Curtis. He's the production designer behind such films as A Scanner Darkly, Bernie, Everybody Wants Some, and our film for today, Richard Licklater's film, Apollo 10 and a half. Thank you so much for being with us today. Well, you're welcome. It's great to be here. Uh, so just to start off, what would you say your relationship with film was at a young age? I don't know if I would. I mean, I always enjoyed Hollywood big movies. I grew up in the Midwest in Ohio on a dairy farm. Couldn't be farther from glamour. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I always I always enjoyed the uh, escapism of uh, film. I wasn't really drawn to that uh, professionally until much later. I uh, I went to college at Kent State briefly and was studying fashion design, and that's where I thought I was going to go. And uh, I moved to Los Angeles, mid-90s, and sort of walked into uh, design. I was always... Uh, I was always... Uh, I, had, I had my own shops to, uh, to, be, been, to begin with in uh, Minneapolis, and in uh, Florida briefly. And I was gonna take that to Los Angeles. And um, I sort of, I was always more impressed or more excited about environments other than product. And uh, so that sort of led me into the art world of film, uh, starting out in music videos and moving into commercials and then eventually into long form. So what was the first major motion picture you worked on and how did you gravitate into becoming a production designer in your own right? I start like I said, I started in video in video world and uh, sort of was uh, unbeknownst to me part of, you know, developing pop culture in that era. Uh, with, uh, you know, doing Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Pilot, and uh, Parents Don't Understand video, and California Love. And um, I was coming up rapid in the music world, and, um, and, and well as making money in the commercial world, you know, selling tacos and cars, uh, and building, you know, fun sets for that stuff. Um, and then really, really started fine-tuning my you know, skills into concentrating into film and really making art that counted, that was going to be there forever. Uh, first feature, I guess first, uh, I think I have to like do some facts checking. <laughs> but I think my first my first uh, studio film was probably Bad News Bears. 
even though Scanner uh, predates that, and we were with a studio, but it was run more like an independent. Um, so obviously, Apollo Ten and a Half is a Richard Linklater film, and you have a long working relationship with him. And we were wondering how the two of you met. Uh, if you could speak on that. Uh, we met. Uh, I left LA um, and moved to Austin, uh, sort of part time. Uh, resident, I had uh, visited Austin commercially, and uh, I was working with a country music uh, director, and he had brought me here from uh, L.A. And uh, being a country boy, <laughs> I didn't. I wasn't really jiving with. Uh, I wasn't really jiving with L.A. I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to raise a kid, um, and so I was sort of concentrating on that in my life. And I met Linkletter because I knew he, you know, who he was and that he was in my backyard. And, uh, our first meeting was very hilarious. Uh, Rick and I are very different. We're at opposite ends. He is subtle, sweet, loves the deliciously banal. I come in big, loud and full of glitter. And, uh, you know, and, uh, he gave me an incredible amount of trust and, um, and, uh, welfare. And we taught each other a, a great deal, I believe in our, you know, more than a decade relationship now, um, on what, what is important in films and what is important in design and what is important to him as a filmmaker, what's important to me as a designer. Uh, I was just going to ask, uh, since Scanner Darkly uh, was one of the earlier films you worked on and uh, Apollo 10 and a half, uh, one of the more recent, and the through line being the rotoscoping and you being the production designer, does that change how you approach your production design at all? <clears throat> well, it did because we had, you know, we had done it before. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the technology had changed somewhat. It became a lot easier we were able to see on scanner, we were able to really see what was happening uh, until maybe five, 10 days later into filming, you know? So we had a lot under our belt until we were starting to see results. And um, I remember a funny story about scanner when we were doing it, the animators were like, don't worry about the cables and the craft service tents and the grip trucks. We just won't, you know, we won't draw it. And, uh, of course, when we got our first rounds, you know, there was the grip truck and there was the craft service tent and there was like the cables of the locations. And I was like, so, uh, so we actually, you know, we it was fine tuned. Uh, Scanner was shot uh, primarily almost all on location. You know, technology had uh, grown so much that we were able to shoot all, all of uh, Ten and a Half on stage. Mm-hmm. Mm so the designing was less physical and more virtual for me. Uh, when we shot scenes in uh, Ten and a Half, uh, I'll use the living room, for example, which is, the, you know, of their house, of the main house. Uh, everything had been selected. Um, not everything was present, you know. Um, stuff was present. Uh, furniture, some furniture was propped, uh, mainly stuff that the, uh, the actors interacted with. You know, if we were going through a door or we were sitting on a couch or we were turning on a lamp or we were pouring ourselves a drink, those those uh, were present elements. 
other than that, it was fully designed virtually down to the, you know, the wall color and the texture and the linoleum on the counter and et cetera. With a process like that, I mean, how much uh, did you have, did you know going into it when they were filming that this is how it's going to look in the end and how much of that was like a uh, discovery? Uh, after the fact with the artists when i when i left production you know and then they went into yearly uh year plus of animation and i went on to other projects of course but i presented I, they were presented a complete package of every single set you know that was going to be shown in the movie um and you know without that it was you know news footage and stuff and clippings that we had uh researchers and producers were pulling but everything that was shown in the movie you know was fully designed before it was turned over to the animators there's a lot of like archival footage and like old movie footage and news footage etc and this and i'm uh, i was wondering if you like played any like obviously you couldn't design that but could you was there designing to be done like in like the tv frames and like little accent marks around like the arrangement of stuff yeah exactly uh um uh, thank you for noticing, but, uh, all the, all the TV frames and all the, uh, were, was all research done for, by myself and my department, every style, you know, that was, uh, true to time, uh, and before. Um, so, uh, everything was as true as we could get it, um, research wise. Now the footage, I didn't have a lot to do with. We just, you know, that was just rotoscoped and, you know, researched on, you know, those specific dates of that of that uh time period Mm -hmm. Uh, so like i mean talking about the time period itself this is like a obviously very specifically about 1960s america specifically in houston and i was wondering what when you started working on the project was there like a whole lot of research you had to do or were you kind of trying to just like focus it on the specific uh you know whatever you're working on at the time well, when I do a film, I do heavy research, of course. Um, you know, I submerse myself into whatever I'm doing, whether it's, you know, uh, whether we're going to the moon or, you know, we're uh, going into Philip K. Dick's head. Um, but, uh, you know, I usually am very aware of uh, everything that's going on globally, you know, who's who's in office, who's, you know, even if it doesn't have anything to do with us, it, it, it tends to focus me into how we were or how we were as a humanity in that time. Mm-hmm. So uh, in your collaboration with the artists, are you in articulating to them what you want? Are you just like putting it in writing? Are you doing drawings? And then are they sending you back like drafts and then you're giving them notes or what's the process there? Uh, well, it's different on this, you know, uh, each time, usually, usually on a job, I, I do my own drawings. I do set drawings as well as, uh, I do, uh, I build decks with, uh, all my reference and, you know, inspiration, uh, and now on ten and a half, uh, we built a lot of models in uh, SketchUp because it was so fast. Everything happened so quickly. We we didn't film for uh, I think we barely filmed for maybe twenty five days. I'm not don't we won't quote that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
But um, so to give the animators, uh, you know, just height and width and, you know, uh, and, and style, uh, models were built in SketchUp that they were able to take uh, into consideration. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of collaboration, we've spoken to a few production designers and a few cinematographers, and they both have basically said that in conjunction with each other, they come up with everything you see on the on screen. And so I was kind of wondering, you've worked with the cinematographer Shane Kelly, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, many times. And yes. I was wondering what kind of, if, uh, obviously this was filmed mostly on green screen and s- stuff like that. So like, what kind of collaboration did you have to have with him on this film? And what's your, what's the two of yours collaboration like on other films that you've worked on? My collaboration with Sean, I mean, uh, with um, uh, Shane, pardon me. No offense, Shane Kelly. Uh, on this was, we had to be very aware of, um, since there were no true walls at a lot of, a lot of times, uh, Shane, you know, Shane and I discussed where the windows were in that set, you know, where, the, where, where are the windows in these bedrooms? Are there windows, you know, or are we just, you know, overhead lighting and ambient table lighting, you know? Uh, so there was a great deal of discussion, mostly about, you know, lighting with Shane, because that's why he's there, you know, to make it look good with light, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and uh, we did take in consideration with, um, you know, the Texas light too, which is very different from, you know, everywhere else in the nation. It's, you know, that bright white uh, sort of Florida light that, uh, so we were very aware of that, you know, that, uh, you know, uh, he probably wouldn't approve of this, but sort of overcooked, you know, Mm. to get that scorching uh, Houston light. So just since you've worked uh, with Richard Linklater like so much over the past like 20 years, um, do you still, every time like he's casting for a movie, are you like applying and showing him your lookbook and all that stuff and he's picking amongst a, a slew of production designers? Or are you, uh, are you just like his guy now or one of his few guys? I think my uh, I think my position is pretty secure. Cool. <laughs> nice. I mean, I mean, next next month could be another story, but uh, you know. <laughs> Are, have you worked on every movie, like uh, besides with scheduling conflicts or whatever? I haven't done I haven't done every movie he's done, and uh, but it's been very close to um, since I met him uh, that I've been involved in almost all of his projects. And, uh, you know, I owe a great deal to him. He's incredibly loyal. And like I said earlier, he has uh, immense trust and uh, allows me a lot of freedom. And uh, we rarely uh, have skerfuffles or, uh, you know, disagreements. We've only had a couple in our uh, uh, career, I think maybe one that I can really remember. <laughs> and was it a creative kerfuffle or, a, or a, uh... Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, uh, it's a funny story. It's, uh, he, what it was on, uh, everybody wants some. Mm-hmm. And we were doing the disco, um, uh, that a big part of the movie takes place in. And, uh, I believe my art director had found 
uh, in Houston. We were shooting in Austin, and uh, he had found a, a period-appropriate uh, underlit dance floor from a discotheque in the uh, 70s that was in mint condition, and uh, he didn't want it. He said, that's not, he's like, I don't, you know, he's like, uh, lit dance floors are from the movies. They're from Saturday Night, you know, Fever. That's not something that we're going to do. And I was just like, I disagree. Yeah. And uh, um, I let him have it. I let him win. <laughs> but I, I did, I did ride it a good long time until I uh, <laughs> was forbidden <laughs> to have a lit dance floor. You had me under lit dance floor. You know? <laughs> like ha- has your guys's creative relationship changed or has it basically stayed the same for the past 20 years well i think it's definitely you know it's um morphed into uh um because rick was one of my early clients in narrative and feature work i had never you know i uh and he was used to being so much more creative uh as a filmmaker than I was coming from a commercial background. Um, you know, I had lots of money, not a lot of time. He was working with a lot of time and not a lot of money. And so we sort of, you know, we were coming at it from different ends of the business. And um, even though I had technique, I was not, you know, or am still not, you know, I'm not a film director, I'm a designer. And that's what I love to do. And I think our, you know, Certainly, our relationship has become way more, uh, uh, how do you say, just fluid and um, sort of unspoken word uh, as far as we kind of know where we're coming from. And he's he's gotten to be, uh, Rick was very, very quiet when we uh, started working together. And he's really found a voice through the years and is very... Um, appreciative of work done and very uh, thoughtful in mindful of bringing his ideas, you know, uh, up, up and up front um, before, you know, things get fully cooked, which I completely appreciate. You know, I don't, I don't design by myself. It's fully a group effort, you know, as we touched on before um, and collaboration between all departments, especially director. Um, so, uh, I like to think that, you know, uh, I kind of know what he's expecting and I do know what excites him. Um, so, uh, so this movie was shot just before COVID hit and everything had to get shut down, I believe. Um, but had to be edited obviously during COVID. And I was wondering, did that, uh, cause any challenges for you? Uh, or was it, were you able to sort of seamlessly move into that well i wasn't really involved in that deep of the prep i guess i was involved maybe three months after shooting i was still looking at uh um stills and we were starting to look at cells and we were still discussing colors and layouts and uh dressing and uh some uh overall big design work like the drive-in hadn't been really a hundred percent signed sealed and delivered and that was something but the uh animation teams were split up there was uh the amsterdam team and then there was also the rotoscoping team here in austin um so i was involved you know briefly but 
the pandemic didn't really affect me with this project other than, you know, it really hit all of us hard. Uh, Cause we were on stage uh, and, you know, we knew about it, like y'all knew about it and it didn't really get serious or really hit hard until they cut South by that year, which we were just, we were about a week away from South by and we were just finishing up filming and we were like, wow, shit's getting serious. <laughs> uh so the production designers we've talked to in the past uh we've always uh, I, I think something we've a through line has been that they're like we're not worried about the current set we're while they're filming that set we're worried about the next one like we're 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 always on the next thing have you found that to be the case you're always a step ahead of yourself you have to be You've got to be, you've got to be, you know, and, um, uh, you know, that's just a common in the, you know, world of successful designing. You know, if I'm not, if I, if I don't feel that I'm a week ahead of production and filming, I'm behind, you know, I have to be that ready because I have to give myself enough, uh, uh, rope to pivot or, you know, uh, react to changes or and and especially working in today's you know post-pandemic uh climate you know anything can happen you know you don't you have to be so prepared not only for you know the usual challenges in filmmaking but now you know you know the goddamn pandemic taking you down for a week and you know you've got a set lingering out there but yeah yeah no i'm always a step ahead and it's different. It's different uh, on every project, of course, um, and different in sections of film. Like it's different when I'm uh, doing uh, television. I'm sort of it's sort of a gradual. I'm ahead of the pace. Uh, when I do a feature, by the time we're shooting, I'm ninety eight percent all figured out. I know what everything is going to happen. You know, I you know, and now it's just execution and scheduling and fine tuning. Uh, so, you know, the waves of preparedness and timelines of being ahead of ready change during, you know, according to what, what medium you're working with. Trent, I'm ready to move on to a different movie. Uh, any Apollo questions you want to ask? Um, no, you can, we can circle back if need be, but ask your question. Yeah, uh, so I guess the way I'll segue into this is you worked on, A, another Richard Linklater film starring Jack Black, uh, Bernie, and I really like that movie, and I just wanted to know how that was to work on, and if you have any cool stories from that set. I thought it was a great movie. I really had a good time on that. Uh, And, you know, a twisted story, uh, indeed. Um, And... uh, um, and working with Shirley MacLaine. I mean, wow, what a force. Uh, but, um, uh, and, and Jack Black couldn't be a sweeter guy. I mean, just real. He's a dad, you know. But he, uh, I remember him doing um, Bernie. And I don't know if he put on weight for that. He's always been a little husky, but, or bigger. And uh, I think I can say that because I'm husky. 
Um, but uh, <laughs> also, it's, it's established that Jack Black is a famous large man. You're not, you're not the first person to say it. <laughs> but he he was very much into character and very Bernie-esque. He you know wore his pants high, uh, you know, just during rehearsals and shit. And um, you know, was very it was very odd. It was an odd odd movie, especially uh, we researched that movie by uh, going to Carthage early on and. Uh, this was before uh, Linklater's not very uh, uh, recognizable in the real world. He's not a, you know, George Clooney or he's a celebrity uh, that can still go to the grocery store. He very much so. Very much so. I don't know about that in Austin, but uh, <laughs> and um, but uh, I think that, you know, we went to Carthage and uh, we wanted to really get a, you know, inside of what Carthage was and what that town was about, how small it was. And I had never really been to uh, East Texas and uh, um, and seen the oil and gas money and how how they lived in the uh, pines. Um, and uh, we did. Um, Rick wanted to go even more low key and said, you know, he presented a, our pack. And I think uh, Shane Kelly was along and a producer, perhaps Ginger Sledge. And uh, we would just uh, sit down at a cafe and say, hey, you know, we're going to do a student film. You know, what's Carthage known for? And, uh, you know, the first answer was oil and gas. And then it was always. But there was this guy, Bernie Teedy. <laughs> so it was it was super interesting and a little bit creepy. And, uh, you know. During my research of that show, I had seen way too much. Again, in my research, I had seen, you know, police photos of the body in the freezer and stuff that we never showed. But, uh, you know, yeah, I love being. <laughs> Makes me laugh. So uh, another movie you worked on, I was explaining uh, every uh, everybody wants some to Parth uh, before we got on. And I was like, it's the spiritual successor to Dazed and Confused. Um, so I was wondering if that spiritual successor influenced your design at all. And also how, uh, it may have been to work with a director who you had like an established fandom of like from like 10 years prior to working with them. Uh, it was, it was, and I knew that it was, you know, we had talked about it, uh, and Rick had presented it that way before we started that, you know, that's what it was. And, uh. So I, I think I gave it a nod to as far as um, minimalistic dressing. Um, I was very mindful to dial it way back. And I knew, you know, that we were in Texas. We knew we were in Texas. We were, you know, and we were college housing. And, and uh, you know, we were uh, male bonding bro uh, moments. So it was, um, you know, I played it very straight and very pulled back. You know, I pulled I pulled a lot back. Now, and that's not to say, you know, that I didn't let loose several times in that film. And I the Jolly Fox, which was a hilarious little bar, and um, uh, <laughs> the disco, <laughs> the sound sound machine. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and that was a direct nod, uh, sound machine to uh, to Dazed and Confused that mural on the wall that was my biggest my biggest gift i feel as the designer to link those two shows in universe yes yes 
Um, I guess to get out of the Linklater verse a little bit, um, I've been watching The Girl from Plainville, and then I found out you did production design for Girl from Plainville. So, I, I did. Uh, what what was that show like, and how how different is it doing uh sort of like eight episode miniseries as opposed to uh hour and a half to our film? It's a beast. Mm. It's like a nine hour movie, really, you know, because, you know, you know, as a designer, I was committed to the entire eight. So uh, I was the only constant creative other than the showrunners, the DP, the DP swapped out, the director swapped out. So it was a continual revolving door. Um, So uh, I kind of had the creative power to keep the company focused and you know was able to talk to you know new directors like taking it from lisa chortolenko to dan daniel minahan and saying well i that's great you'd like to do that but we've already been there and this is how it is i'm sorry to crush your dreams or we hadn't seen that and like you know we can do whatever you want in here i think it was my second show with a uh, showrunner liz hannah liz hannah was uh, producer of uh, uh, writer Br- uh, Bright Places, also with Al Fanning. Uh, so um, that was that was my connectivity there for that project. Um, a difficult project to uh, design. We were in Savannah filming. Uh, we were in Georgia because of the rebate, you know. And uh, you know the story takes place in uh, Massachusetts, so. Um, <laughs> we couldn't have been farther away from where I was supposed to be. Uh, but uh, I liked it. I like I liked the uh, pace uh, and the grind, but um, I was happy with it. And I think it was an important story to tell. And that's what gravitated me towards that uh, show. So our next question is, what are you working on now or what do you have uh, coming out next? Yeah, if you're at liberty to speak on such things. I think I can speak on it. I'm about to um, uh, do a film with, um, hold please, (laughs) Judd Apatow's company. I'm going to do my first real full-on comedy. He's executive producing, and it's with the the guys uh, of Do Not Destroy, SNL skit. Mm -hmm. Very funny script. So do you know where, where uh, is that coming out on something or is it? I haven't started yet. Oh, I'm okay. About, okay. Yeah. That's my next project. I'm a week out from beginning. So wow. see you next year about that. <laughs> Parth, Parth, would you say it's time for the big, the big kahuna final question? <laughs> okay. Un- unleash, unleash. Uh, so the big kahuna final question is what's the last great movie you watched and it could be a rewatch or a first time viewing but not good great oh okay you threw me what's the last great movie my god are you kidding i don't, I don't want to fucking answer this question um uh I'm this is a question that's talking. always guaranteed to stump <laughs> our guests well, to, to stump always... the industry professionals I'm always shocked about how many great films uh, come to fruition at the end of every year. Like it's 
mind blowing. And it's like, I've been really fortunate to be, you know, in opening festivals from New York to South by to um, Toronto. And um, uh, I'm always really blown away by all the stuff. I think this year I was really, really, uh, my God, well, I just saw Batman now. Um, I was like, I would think like Dune really was, did inspire me. I thought those guys did a fantastic job. I loved it. Um, uh, but I don't know if I want to go with that my final answer. I'm going to, but I'm gonna. <laughs> I mean, Dune, Dune is respectable. It won like six Oscars or something. Yeah, I, but I, but you know, I love, you know, and we're just talking the last movie I watched was, um, what I, I watched last night, Channing, Channing Tatum's Dog. That's not <laughs> See, I, I almost like I almost hate watch Channing Tatum's dog. <laughs> I like to think that it's the same character from Twenty One and Twenty Two Jump Street, but just in a dog movie. <laughs> yeah, I just no, that's not the answer. I would say the last the last movie that I was really in awe of was was Dune this season. I was just like, wow, that's fucking great. That's fucking art. It's beautiful, and. uh you know, I watched his um, some of his uh, design interviews, and the the detail was great. I really and oh, we've been trying to get him on the show. Yeah, yeah, it was he did really <laughs> lovely work. Does the dog at the end of Dog die? Like at the end of every dog movie? <laughs> no, no, it does. What I thought it was a takeoff of Tur- Turner and Hooch. That's why I was all excited, but it's not. I mean, spoiler alert for you. No, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll put a big spoiler alert ahead of this yeah, for dog. Do <laughs> Channing Tatum's dog. Uh, <laughs> Parth, you wanna you wanna bring us out? Yeah, sure. Uh, thank you so much to Bruce Curtis for coming on. He's worked on uh, the movies that we've talked about: Scanner Darkly, Bernie, Everybody Wants Them, and our topic of today: Apollo Ten and a Half. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, guys. It was my pleasure. What an interview. You're telling me. I was there, Parth. I enjoyed it just as much as you did, if not more. The joke here is that I almost immediately went what an interview right after we said cue the interview um no no and, through the magic of editing um, yeah the, the the listeners will never know yeah no but you know what they do know trent that we're gonna have a discussion next week i guess that well i was gonna say that this interview was awesome because they just listened to it but no uh, yeah if they stayed for the whole thing i would imagine they at least kind of liked it yeah i would hope so but yeah, next week we're going to be having our discussion on the film. I don't think we're having a guest on this one. Sorry, guys. Um, but yeah, go listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, wherever you want to get your podcasts. We're probably there. But you should also, what you should do is leave us a good review and rating on all of these various platforms. And, and like all that digital mayhem sounds pretty cool coming out of Parth's mouth. But what you should really do is just, like, go tell a friend, like, your mom, your aunt, whoever, like, consumes media and um, likes information, you should tell them to listen to our show because um, that would help us gain listeners and gain power over the and rest really, of the that's, that's all we want is power and fame, maybe <sighs> money if we're lucky. 
you know? Yeah. I just, at brunch with my mom, she's like, so are you successful yet? And I was like, no, not yet. Uh, I, 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 I frequently get the, are you successful yet talk? And, um, always with upsetting results is how we'll yeah. put it. Yeah. Well, um, after Apollo 10 and a half, I don't know if we know, if you know, that I know, that we don't know exactly what's going on. But we're going to figure it out. We have an idea. But oh, as of, wait. We, we do. There, like, it hasn't semi, happened yet, but it's lined up to occur. thing. But, yeah. But I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. And, um, wait, Trent, you're going to like this. Wait. Wait, Trent, hold on. Trent, I need you to just ch- Can you please I'm, chill out? I'm holding, just sitting here. Oh, here we go. Yes, Parth is showing me a Blu-ray copy of the film that we will be discussing, but since you buffoons can't see Parth like I can, you don't know how handsome he is or the movie he's talking about. Yeah. Um, You'll just have to infer both. But (laughs) join us next week for our discussion, and then hopefully we'll have a better idea of what's happening the week after. Ciao bella, you know? Yeah, I saw the way go.